Hey guys, what's up? It is week 328, and I uh, got some reviews for you and everything like that. Um, yeah, so let's hop right into them. The first one is from 88 Films, and this is a film I've covered before from 1993, if I'm not mistaken, uh, directed by Herman Yao, a Hong Kong director, and starring Anthony Wong, who should be no stranger uh, to anybody that watches uh, this channel. Obviously, Anthony Wong is in films like Untold Story, Ebola Syndrome, Hard Boiled, great Hong Kong actor, and this film is Taxi hunter that's right we had taxi driver now we have taxi hunter okay so uh, if you guys aren't familiar herman yao uh also directed untold story and ebola syndrome untold story was 92 and this one was made shortly after 93 actually and this one was made shortly after that and then they went ahead and did ebola syndrome in 96 so these they did another horror film called the sleeping curse um later much later 2010 or something with anthony wong and uh directed by herman yao and that's kind of like the four kind of thriller horror films they did together now saying that um all four of them are really solid uh and taxi hunter is probably i don't know sleeping curse or taxi hunter is kind of the least seen see this one was made kind of in the heyday of the hong kong kind of films like this so essentially uh what we have here if you guys are familiar with kind of the crazy time of hong kong films just check out anything from like the shaw brothers horror oriented stuff all the way up until like the uh early 2000s and stuff they had a, a wide variety of insane movies so uh basically anthony wong is kind of a business guy he works uh is an insurance kind of guy he gets people insurance and his wife is pregnant. She's she's gonna burst any time. She's she's given uh she's due very soon. Um, and he's kind of in this high competition, trying to move himself forward in his workforce. His buddy, uh, their friend, they have like this family friend who's a cop. He's kind of a reckless, kind of crazy, you know, think uh, Mel Gibson, Lethal Weapon kind of style cop. Um, he's par partnered up with this other guy who's kind of a goofy guy whose daughter is a journalist, uh, you know, and everything like that. So, so like a newscasting journalist, that deal. So Anthony Wong, and these are kind of the main characters of the story. Anthony Wong ends up having something tragic happen to him. Well, very irritating at first. A taxi driver kind of pulls in front of him and he, he rear ends him. And so they get an argument and he's basically kind of belittled into paying this guy. He's threatened by uh, brutality from the other taxi drivers that show up. And you kind of learn that the taxi drivers in this area kind of run everything because they're just like, they're, nobody really drives. They're very expensive. They mistreat all the people. They're really just horrible individuals and they uh, have this whole kind of thing going on here. So uh, what happens is that's just kind of a foreshadowing to what would happen later. Um, Anthony Wong's wife, again, is pregnant, and this taxi driver um, basically does a hit and run on her when she's trying to get in the car to go to the hospital. It's a rainy day, and she ends up passing away as, as well as, as their child. That's kind of a spoiler in the first act of the film. This obviously sets Anthony Wong into hysterics, and he starts to kind of dip in his day job. He takes time off. He starts to drink heavily. But he kind of does the Charles Bronson Death Wish style thing. Or, of course, Taxi Driver, right? Listen, you scumbags. But instead of, you know, the Taxi Driver being the guy who's the vigilante, now we have a vigilante hunting Taxi Drivers. Hey, it's pretty fun, right? So uh, the first actual murder that takes place is pretty awesome um, with a kind of this high-action car driving while the, the driver's getting strangled. Stuff's really great. And after that, he starts to go out and kind of pick people off whenever he can. But there is some, obviously, humor. It is a Hong Kong film, and they really can't get away with 
not adding humor in there, and they do that a couple times. One of which, when you think Anthony Wong's going to attack somebody, but he keeps like pulling things out that aren't actually implements of, of torture or pain or anything like that, and it's, it's a very good gag. Um, and some of the other conversations and dialogue is, is good as well. Now, the movie ends on, on, a, on a pretty interesting note. It could have gone much darker, but I, I kind of like where they did. It feels a little bit different, a little, little bit realistic. Now, would I call this a full-blown horror film? Probably not. I would say it's more in the thriller kind of crime film, but it does kind of verge on that territory. I think the untold story and Ebola syndrome and obviously sleeping curse all go into that horror category and, and for sure because they're just more extreme. The violence in here is great. The action's really good. There's a really good um, scene in the opening, of course, like a shootout, which a lot of these Hong Kong movies always start off with shootouts. But it's just one of these movies that kind of takes a weird approach, you know what I mean? You have Taxi Hunter now. Um, there is a taxi driver now. You have Taxi Hunter is kind of that deal as well. It's been compared to Falling Down, obviously, because it's about just kind of this middle-aged, kind of run-of-the-mill, middle-class guy kind of snapping on society and lashing out. That's nothing new, though, right? And film, at least, and nowadays, obviously, in in uh, everyday life. But um, so, so yeah, this is a really good one. Anthony Wong is great in it. He always is great. Uh, the cop in here is solid as well. Really, very aggravating scenes in here, to be honest. But there's some really good scenes too. Uh, a couple of the taxi drivers getting killed are great. Uh, it's violent. Um, of course, there is an a rape or attempted rape in this. It is a Hong Kong film, after all, during the 90s. So what can you expect? Um, yeah. So so it looks really good. It sounds good. I'm super happy to finally have this one on. Blu-ray because there was a DVD of it that was long out of print. Um, as far as the special features are concerned, we have um, we obviously have Cantonese with English subtitles, audio commentary with Hong Kong film expert Frank Jin, which I listened to and that's really good, interesting stuff. He talks about all sorts of things and Anthony Wong and whatnot. Hunting for words and interview screen uh, writer and producer Tommy Lung Hong Wa. How to murder your taxi driver an interview with the action director James Ha. Falling down in Hong Kong an interview with uh, star Anthony Wong and I like that. Um, Wong it doesn't really hold back. Wong, I don't think, is the biggest fan of these kind of movies. You know, he's a very educated guy, a very intelligent guy, a very classically trained actor. So there's one question in here where they ask, do you think they could make a, a, a movie like this in Hong Kong now? All he says is, you wish. Like, really, like, it's just, there's no way. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not really a thing anymore. And uh, he obviously uh, was uh, outspoken against the Chinese regime. I remember that kind of element, all this kind of stuff about Anthony Wong. So it's interesting to see him talk about the movie, honestly. Um, and then we have, of course, uh, um, still galleries, all that kind of stuff. But this is a really great movie. If you've never seen Taxi Hunter, I would recommend it. Now you got all of them on uh, some sort of Blu-ray. Of course, you got the Ebola Syndrome from uh, Vinegar Syndrome in 4K. You got Untold Story from On Earth Films and 88 Films overseas you got taxi hunter from 88 films probably both places and then you got i think the sleeping curse is an import uh probably a hong kong import which is what i have but all four are really good um herman yao is a, is a good solid action kind of horror director i would recommend this stuff the action's good in here and uh the acting is solid too i love the look of it. it's it got this dark kind of quality obviously there's some comedy elements especially with the undercover cop who's just completely goofy but i enjoy it i think most people will enjoy taxi hunter especially if you're at this channel you're a long fan like I say, jokingly, you can't go wrong with Wong. He's one of the better ones, uh, actors for sure. Love him. So good stuff. Taxi Hunter. Okay, we have a wild one here. That's right. And this is from Visual Vengeance. And this is a movie I'm very happy to see get a Blu-ray release. That means probably the other one that was made around the same time is coming as well from them. Uh, I, I believe it is. But this is from 1986. This is The Abomination, a Super 8 classic here. The Abomination makes all things desolate. Anybody that's ever seen this movie, a weird film directed by Brett McCormick, um, who went on to do a, a handful of other ones, worked for Corman a bit. Um, he did another one that I'm going to talk about a little later called Replicate. 
alligator. But, okay, so The Abomination uh, is one of the first movies I ever reviewed for my channel, believe it or not. Check that out if you ever look it up. I have long hair. I am 15 years younger, probably. So, yeah, I've been doing this a while, and I've not gotten that much better. So, hey. But, uh, yeah, The Abomination, I remember always having this kind of allure to it, even as a young age, even when I was obviously 15, 20, you know, 20 years old, I wanted to see this movie. So I tracked it down, watched it, had an import DVD. I remember at Cinema Wasteland, they were there. Uh, I, I don't remember if McCormick was there, but Matt Devlin, I think, was there, and they had a couple people there that did these movies, Ozone, Attack of the Red Dead Mutants, and Abomination, and they were selling this kind of DVD that had both of them on there, and they're remastered and everything, and I picked that up, and, you know, so Abomination's been in my life for a very, very long time. And, you know, on paper, it's kind of definitely my deal. You know, a Super 8 movie made in like a, re a Texas kind of charm, regional, low budget, gory. And it has one thing that absolutely is one of my favorite things about horror. And it goes back to, I guess, a, a primordial state. You know what I mean? Just a state from probably our prehistoric jelly, as they would say in Day of the Dead. And that is a monster with no eyes and just a big mouth and rows and rows of sharp teeth. That's why I love stuff like the Deadly Spawn. Uh, critters, you know, they have the eyes, but they have the big rows of teeth. There's nothing scarier than a, a big mouth that's ready to eat, and it's big enough to eat you. You know, that just goes back to your, your kind of nature. But, um, sorry. Ugh, <laughs> got a hair in my mouth. Um, so the Abomination, like I said, um, it, it's kind of like pieced together. You know, they didn't shoot that much. It was on a very uh, tight deadline. It was very limited, but it's incredibly gory. And, and it's kind of a, a strange film. I don't really know. I would compare it to like just kind of in a sense Beyond Dream's Door by um, uh, Jay uh, Wolfel. But I think that one has more of a story, more of a coherent kind of story, thought out story. So the abomination follows this guy in the very beginning where he's being interviewed by a psychiatrist and he's basically talks about, you know, chasing this girl down. But they so let's go back to the beginning and we kind of figure this out. And he has this really ultra religious mother who's obsessed with this televangelist, this local televangelist on television. And what happens is <clears throat> she develops this tumor and she coughs it up one day and this tumor gets inside the kid. And what? Uh, and this kid starts to carry out these evil acts. It starts to possess him. Um, he has this inner monologue, and he starts throwing these tumors up all around the house. And they become these flesh-eating creatures, these giant balls of uh, flesh-eating. There's ones under the bed, which is a great scene. There's in the cabinets and everything like that. They completely destroyed the set of this movie, whatever this probably run-down house they used. But, uh, of course, this thing wants him to kill. There's chainsaw kills with brains falling out. Um, it's a very, very gory film, very nasty film. And the creatures do, you know, have big jagged rows of teeth. It's very entertaining. Don't expect this a huge budget affair. It's low budget. It's got regional quality. It's a little inept, of course, but that kind of plays into the charm. A lot of repeated reuse footage um, to pad this thing out a bit. But uh, I, I, I recommend it, especially if you like these kind of weird movies like this. I think The Abomination is one that a lot of people have on their checklist to check out. And remember, it's not SOB. It was edited on tape, probably. Um, it's edited on tape. You know, the elements are lost, so it looks like it's SOV, but it's not SOV. There's so many movies that aren't SOV that people think are, including Truth or Dare. I made that same mistake, too, by Tim Ritter. All sorts of stuff that people just think are, is SOV. You know, it, a lot of them are not. Um, so as far as the special features are concerned, we have a new produced, supervised SD master from Original Tape Source, commentary with director Brett McCormick. Rob, um, then we also have Rob Housechild and Matt Dossario, Visual Vengeance, commentary with Tony Strauss of Wang Chops Magazine, Monster Kid Movie Maverick, new feature-length interview feature, yeah, with Brett uh, McCormick, Interview 2022. That's pretty good. He talks about how he got a start, how he looked up the Corman, how he wanted to make five movies a year. The kind of interviews with this and Replicator kind of feel similar. I don't know. I don't 
think they're the same. Actress Blue Thompson interview. Actress Vanessa Cheney interview. Interview with original VHS distributor Mac Jack Shell down on Michelle Productions. That's cool. Filming locations tour. Um, Super 8 outtakes and raw footage. Behind the scenes of Stairway. Behind the scenes tumor test. Behind the scenes image gallery. Interview with the Abomination. Brett McCormick original Super 8 films. Brett McCormick trailer archive. Six page booklet with essay by Tony Strauss. Limited edition slipcase by the dude. Limited edition 12 page mini comic book. Visual Vengeance trailers. Reversible sleeve featuring original art. VHS folded mini posters. Stick your own VHS sticker set. And optional English subtitles. So if you're a fan of the Abomination. You're a fan of Visual Vengeance. A fan of Super 8 regional horror films this is a must gory weird bizarre little oddity that i think a lot of people will enjoy okay the next up is from 1998 also directed by brett mccormick and i covered this one years ago too and this is replicator now replicator was originally released on whacked films by glenn coburn glenn coburn's the director of blood suckers from outer space that uh, i think vinegar syndrome eventually put out but it was a media blasters dvd and then it was put out by uh, massacre video too, replicator i believe or, or whichever order that went in so this is one that i saw uh, uh, way back in the day whenever those dvds were released and i hadn't revisited i completely kind of i didn't forget about replicator how could you forget about Replicator. But, uh, you know, it wasn't one of my go-to movies. It's a super low-budget, kind of softcore, silly movie that you watch at 3 o'clock in the morning and, you know, you know what you do at 3 o'clock in the morning when you're watching, you know, something softcore, right? So that's kind of what Replicator is. It does have the talents of Brink Stevens and Gunnar Hansen and some other people that pop up in Brett McCormick movies. Um, there's a lot of nonstop nudity, a lot of bullshit science, a lot of silliness. You know, it could have easily been one of those full moon movies and whatnot. Uh, the story on here is Brett McCormick basically talks about wanting to make five movies in one year because uh, he used to idolize Roger Corman. He, made, he made movies for Corman. So he's like, man, I, I want to do this five movies a year kind of deal. It's very fun uh, in that aspect. But the opening kind of shows um, Gunnar Hansen talking to this military general and they're talking about this experiment and then we kind of get this story flash where like we have all these scientists kind of competing and obviously they're over budget because they got a bunch of things going on and one person's trying to create uh basically this um rep basically uh you know a trojan horse kind of weapon where you can transport troops wherever but of course everybody that goes in comes out a female and they're kind of a horny babe female and it happens right in the beginning we have another scientist in fields and he's a complete pervert so he wants to program women to be his sex slaves Somehow these two things get mixed, but there's also these old kind of screw-ups and people pop up and they end up having alligator heads. They're more like dinosaur heads, but they call them replicators, so we're going to do it. So replicator, we're going to call it that, okay? Even if they're not uh, the alligator heads, it is what it is. It's replicator. But uh, Gunnar Hansen, all his scenes seem to be shot somewhere else. Brink Stevens as well, kind of, uh, you know, not too close to the rest of the crew that makes any sense in cast, but they're they're fine in their small roles. Um, They cram in as much nudity as they possibly can. And what I like about the movie is they play with kind of sexual uh, sexuality, you know what I mean? Kind of in a similar Dr. Jekyll sister Hyde vein, where you got characters bouncing back before between male and female and everything like that. So it kind of gets like a nutty Professor Jekyll and Hyde kind of storyline in here. Um, and you know what? It's funny that part of this is probably more progressive than a lot of people thought because one character actually identifies as a female that's trapped in a male's body. So they do a whole that whole ordeal. I do like the lead in here. He's just a very average kind of guy. And uh, he has some fun moments. He gets to shine. There's digital effects. They don't look very good. It's 1998, low budget, um, 
you know, softcore kind of deal that was barely released in the first place. What what kind of effects do you expect? Um, it does, you know, it doesn't make the movie uh, better. It obviously makes it worse, but it is what it is. I think that people will get a kick out of it. They'll get a laugh out of it. It's very silly. It's very light. It's very repetitive. But hey, it's Replicator. If it sounds like it's up your alley, it's been out of print forever. So if you're looking to see some Brink Stevens or Gunnar Hansen and some nudity and just some silliness, then this one's definitely for you. They don't make them like this for good reason, obviously. Um, but <laughs> it's not bad. I, I mean, it's enjoyable, enjoyable softcore silliness. So with some sci-fi elements, of course. New director, supervised SD master from Original Master Tapes. Commentary director, Brett McCormick and Glenn Coburg. Commentary, Sam uh, Panico of BS uh, about movies. And Bill Von Rhein of The Driving Asylum. Archival making a featurette. Archival Brett uh, McCormick interview, 2013. Original deleted open to sing. Director, Brett McCormick interview, 2022. Producer, uh, Wynn Winberg interview, 2022. Brink Stevens interview. Carl Merritt interview. Randy Clover interview. Uh, trailer, other trailers all that kind of stuff on replicator so if it sounds like it's up your alley you've been waiting for 20 years to see this movie i used to get messages on there people would always be looking for this one where'd you get that dvd where'd you buy that dvd and i was just replicator spoke to him for some reason check it out okay let's get into those 1981 movies woe be unto him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell because through that gateway evil will invade the world
Valentine's Day is a curse that'll live on and on. And no one will know as the years come and go of the horror from long time ago. In this little town, when the 14th comes round, there's a silence and fear in the air. Remember the morn that the legend was born, all the shock and the horror was there. Or oh, the legend they say on a Valentine's Day is a curse that'll live on and on. And no one will know as the years come and go of the horror from long time ago. And no one will know as the years come and go of the horror from long time ago. First up on the 1981 movies is from Egypt, and it is Fangs. Yeah, if you were to tell me that 1981 would be the weirdest year of horror remakes, I'd be like, bullshit, but it is. So we got Fangs, which is an Egyptian Rocky Horror Picture Show remake, musical and all. And we also have uh, Wolf, uh, String Stringlada, which is basically an Indonesian Friday 13th remake. I don't know if it's official or not. And then we have A Monstrous Corpse, which is a South Korean remake of Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. And I believe it's official. So three of the most bizarre films to be remade, of course, in 1981. And there we have it. Uh, movies that weren't even made close by that, except for the Friday 13th. So here we have Fangs. And uh, right in the beginning, of course, we have this wedding and our characters go off. Um, and in the very beginning is probably my favorite part because, you know, you have the scene in the original where they're walking up to the castle and their car breaks down. It's raining. Um, but there's a really fun scene where basically they just put the Grim Reaper in the bushes watching them and you're like that's just such a silly beautiful moment um, the songs are okay that first song is, is really cool um, as we get in there we realize it's going to be less about aliens and more kind of just follow the vampire storyline in here and the main character is a vampire he has a brother that lives there and they're obviously going to be at each other's throats similar you know Rocky Horror how uh, Frank Furter was just going overboard and everybody was like dude you need to calm down or you know all this kind of stuff's going to happen we have that kind of storyline of course it's a bit too long um, and there is one point that I, I was like this movie is trolling me this movie trolled me for 10 fucking minutes on purpose so there's one point where we obviously have you know the scholar the kind of professor that it cuts to in the movie it's charles gray and this one is just some uh, uh some guy I, I mean i'm not familiar with the actor he's been a slew of things though but they even show him dancing a little bit, which is actually really funny because it's not as as, as bizarre, I guess, as the Rocky, Rocky Horror, as, as, as explicit in the sexual content, I would say not. Um, but there is this part where the obviously the professor interrupts and says, uh, the guy, the vampire says, there are no vampires trying to cover it up. And the professor says, and you can say that there's vampires here, there, there. And he goes through, and I kid you not, there's 10 to 12 scenarios about it. And it's like a 15 minute scene. And it'll just show our two main characters as different people getting screwed over at the, the store for cigarettes, getting screwed over at the hospital for insurance and all this kind of stuff. And after every single one of them, it cuts back to our professor laughing hysterically. And it literally lasts for 15 minutes, all these different stories. And I was like, I started to almost like crack just from insanity. I was like, they're doing this on purpose. And, and it's just so hit you over the head, hilariously stupid and aggravating at the same time. And I got to give it props for that. Um, also the fact that there's choreographed dancing and stuff and the different songs they 
choose. I actually kind of felt myself very intrigued by it, but I didn't say I loved it. It was intriguing and interesting, and I don't mean that as an insult. It's just kind of a, a bizarre kind of film to make, and it's a bizarre kind of take to do. It's just, I, I guess I am interested in the, the Rocky Horror Picture Show Egyptian remake called Fangs. Uh, like I said, more vampire-oriented, no alien stuff, really. Okay, I'm going to be kind of brief with these next three, but the first one up is uh, Shaw Brothers horror film and is Revenge of the Corpse. Now, the next three are all Shaw Brothers horror films. So, Revenge of the Corpse. So, this one kind of starts off in kind of a typical fashion, right? It's a period piece, and we have this character who's wrongfully accused. He's a sergeant. Uh, most people seem to really like him. He even takes pity on this this criminal, um, and all the, the townsfolk want to destroy him, but the, the sergeant sticks up for him, and that obviously pays off. Um, and basically, all these people want to double-cross him and pin him for all these things. They, they plant the stuff in there, pin him for murders and all this. And uh, just obviously, you know, conspiracy, bureaucracy, all that kind of stuff. So they do that. And he's really hurt and he's dying. And they decide to release him from prison and put the pressure on his family and friends that you say you find the real criminal here or else we're going to take him back. Um, unfortunately, this poor man dies. But before he dies, he tells them, bury me in red. Bury me in these red garbs and all this kind of thing. And it's, of course, going to kind of put a spell. So he comes back. The movie's called Revenge of the Corpse. So, of course, this character comes back, and it's kind of mysterious, like all these kind of Shaw Brothers horror films are. They have this mysterious angle where they don't. a lot of them don't want to fully commit to the supernatural. I mean, corpse mania has these elements. Like, the, the supernatural is such a, a, a confounded thing. I'm not confounded, but such an important thing thing in these Hong Kong horror films and Asian horror films with the, the sheets, the spells, all that kind of stuff. But then a lot of the movies, they're like, do we want to commit to something supernatural? And they kind of steer, kind of walk that line a lot of the times. So so when I'm looking at Revenge of the Corpse, it finally does come to that, you know, that supernatural aspect in the last act. And there's a zombie literally kung fu and a bunch of people really fun lighting all that kind of stuff so this one's worth checking out i enjoyed it honestly and the ending's really kind of what pushed it over from being average to a little bit better than average i think this is probably my favorite shaw brother horror film that i watched uh this week i like i said i watched three i don't think it's better than bewitched or corpse mania i think those from 81 are, are the highlights for the shaw brothers but um you know i enjoy it better than hex from 1980 and haunted tales i would say so yeah it's revenge of the corpse Okay, next up is Avengers from Hell, and this has uh, a few different directors on it. This is an anthology, and like last year from uh, Shaw Brothers Anthology, they had Haunted Tales, which was half-directed by the guy who did Lost Souls um, and Men Behind the Sun, and another director. One of that, the, uh, the other director did one of the shorts in here in Avengers from Hell. Now, I always find it kind of strange that Shaw Brothers are doing a lot of these unrelated anthologies. They only have like a supernatural or horror bend to them. This time it has three stories in here. I just don't know. They're just strange anthologies. So the first one opens up where this cop seems to have this like closeness to this this building and he goes in and he finds out the history of it and he learns that there was a woman who was basically you know I don't know if she's a mistress but the the basically the guy was really terrible to her and ended up murdering her this ghost in here is infatuated with this police officer and comes after him and it's up to him and his girlfriend to kind of fend them off this one has good lighting good atmosphere but very very standard stuff here the next story is more in the line with something like Bewitched where we have the kind of uh you know the adulterous character going on vacation and meeting some Someone. We have that here in this Playboy. A lot of his story is told in like flashbacks, and he has this girlfriend, and uh, and he's a wife who's pregnant now, and everything like that. If I'm not mistaken, and he has this flash where he did this horrible act uh, with you know uh, um, you know cheating on his wife, and he kind of gets uh, there's a revenge behind the grave thing going here, and there's another maid, and and the ending's pretty bonkers. I won't I want to spoil this, but when you start playing with babies and, and reincarnation and rebirth, it gets very bizarre. And the final story on here is my favorite. Um, 
And this one is a lot like the story in Haunted Tales by uh, Moi Foyn Wen Wei. I can't remember from the guy who did Lost Souls. This it fits in that kind of vibe, right? We have this guy who is this uh, old man. He's a gambling, greedy prick. Um, he's not necessarily a prick, but Ava Tram is kind of weird. He has a nephew who always follows him around, always asking him for money. And this old man just, you know, one day he finds his pair of glasses that's left out, and he puts them on. And it, he registers uh, that he can now cheat. Um, there's a ghost whispering in his ear, and it turns out it's his dead neighbor. And his dead neighbor is like, hey, man, I'll help you out. We'll help you win some money. So, of course, this guy's going to start taking advantage of it, even though sometimes it doesn't. It falls through a little bit. But uh, it gets really funny. He ends up in this high-stakes game, and he's making all these weird decision numbers. Like, what the hell's going on? But we have that ghost whispering in his ear. And the very ending is kind of uh, just desserts, almost Twilight Zone. I enjoyed it. This is my favorite of the three. I like Avengers from Hell. I just don't know how much playback it's going to get for many people it's kind of a one and done i would say i mean the stories are fine they're completely fine like any other anthology from the time or tv horror show that doesn't continue a story they're all kind of just there and they're good but they're not great the last one is the best of the bunch that is avengers from hell okay and the last 1981 movie would be the black lizard Okay, yeah. So the Black Lizard. It's so weird. So out of all the Shaw Brothers horror movies this year, we have Bewitched, we have Corpse Mania, we have Bloody Parrot, we have Black Lizard, Avengers from Hell, and of course, um, we have Revenge of the Corpse. So we got a handful. We got more this year than we did last year from 1980, and I think we even have more um, than 82. I know we got some heavy hitters for the horror genre coming out, but this one is the Black Lizard. This is relatively short, an hour and 20 minute movie here. This one fits more in line with the kind of mystery where you're like, is this a horror film? Half the movie? Kind of like Bloody Parrot. Bloody Parrot and Black Lizard go good together. And then you're like, oh, I guess it's it's I don't want to spoil it, but so right in the beginning we hear this story, this kind of uh, thing that everybody does about the Black Lizard uh, and and we hear this kind of myth, right? And it's going to be based on this myth and it's going to come back to this myth at the very end of the film. So in the very beginning we have this character show up and uh, basically it, uh, this guy gets a message from this character from Helen says that your fiance is going to die. You need to worry. I'm not your enemy. She's going to die. He starts to panic. He sees this kind of monster in red, and uh, he has to travel. And when he gets back, he realizes that uh, the family, that you know, his, his in-law's family, the, the aunt had died, and he had just witnessed her, all this kind of thing. So they start to question people about the death, and they come along to this guy whose wife was killed under mysterious circumstances because his son was possessed or wrongfully his son. They had a black lizard kind of birthmark. All this elaborate story here. So a couple characters are just decide to figure what I, what's going on. On. People are kidnapped, and the signs all point to certain people. But of course, being a mystery, having some hangups and changes and everything like that, you kind of get that point. You're like, this isn't really going to be supernatural, is it? Even though it kind of, kind of has supernatural aspects, and, and you think kind of like in the vein of like Human Lanterns, but Human Lanterns has more of a slasher thing to it. So, so you're like, hey, whatnot. I think one of the directors, this guy might have done Human Lanterns, if I'm not mistaken, or was it the guy who did? Um, Revenge of the Corpse. I, I might be mixing it up, but uh, so, so so like you're like this one's completely fine, and I'm catching like this pattern where like again they feel like they don't want to go full supernatural. Fight scenes are solid. Has a, a one of the five deadly venoms in there for sure um, as one of the main characters. But yeah, this one's cool. The ending's cool. The sets are cool. The giant like statue lizard is cool uh, in the lake. But overall, I can't really speak that long about the Black Lizard. It's a short movie, and it feels a little repetitive at this point when we're coming to like the Shaw Brothers mystery horror film. But I, I would recommend to give it a slight recommend. 
Okay, next up is the Patreon pick, and I think it was David Luton. He wanted me to cover this one. Um, Thriller, A Cruel Picture, which I actually already covered, but I covered the Synapse release, which is not really, from my understanding, it's not exactly authorized release on the Blu-ray, but we're going to talk about a little bit about the Vendiger Syndrome 4K. Um, so Thriller is a 1973 movie made in Sweden. The director went on to do another movie called Breaking the Breaking Point, which I hear is more of a porn film. It's supposed to be pretty extreme. But uh, Thriller, A Cruel Picture, is considered one of the greatest rape-revenge films of all time i would agree i would put it up there with ice speed on your grave miss 45 last house on the left um some people consider house on the edge of park rape revenge if it is i would throw it up there as well but all those movies just to me are very impactful and so is thriller a cruel picture so it stars christina Lindbergh, who is in a lot of softcore stuff she's a very much a cult actress it has both versions of course we have they call her one eye which is the short and american version that was released to the states and then we have the longer thriller a cruel picture version which has the full hardcore porn inserts um, in there. So the story is a bleak one. I mean, they don't call it a cruel picture for no reason. We have this poor girl in the very beginning of the film. She is molested and raped by this old homeless man who drools. Okay. So you feel like, are we in some elevated hell world? Um, and she, ever since that moment, she doesn't speak. We kind of fast forward to her. She works on a farm with her family and kind of keeps to herself. One day she gets off in a month. She goes into town and she's picked up by this kind of slick guy who buys her dinner. He wines and dines her, but then he gets her hooked on heroin and wants to turn her into a prostitute into sex trafficking. Um, he explains all the rules to her. She wants nothing to do with it, and some unfortunate circumstances lead to her being, they call her one eye, right? Um, very graphic scene, obviously, used with a real corpse and all that. That's the Ruma. Um, so anyways, after being you know, hooked on heroin and hitting her breaking point time after time in some of the most tragic, depressing, sad moments I've ever seen on film, she decides to get a revenge. And what I love about this film is she gets her own fucking revenge, right? So many movies do we have a woman get raped mad foxes and then the guy comes back and i'll take care of it i'm a man um even death wish which i love those movies but still when you look at ice being edge grave and miss 45 and thriller a cruel picture they kind of stand above for that reason at least um, when you're talking about if you're going to try to argue a point on them being positive movies i don't know whatever you want to say not positive but you know me more appropriate i guess so she basically trains herself in these three uh aspects way to how to fight how to shoot and how to drive. And it's just like such an exploitation classic moment. She's learning all these things from all these different people. And it's just like a long movie. It's almost two hours long in the uncut version. And she learns all these things and you're just waiting for her to get revenge. And then we have this ultra slow motion, ultra slow motion shooting, ultra slow motion fights and fast chase car paces. And it very, it very much turns into this Western at the very end with the showdown. Um, I love this movie. Um, I, I, I don't need the hardcore inserts. They don't add much. It's not Christina Lindbergh, but you know, uh, I think that in a certain way they do add something. I should take that back because the sex is ugly. Never once is anybody like, that's some hot stuff. You know, that turns me on. Nothing in this movie is, is, is arousing. It's depressing. It's dark and, and the way it should be. And the revenge is cathartic. I, I get it. And she looks like such a badass character. You know, Quentin Tarantino probably obviously used her for Ellie Driver for the Black Kill Bill movies. But anyways, it's an excellent movie. It looks excellent in 4K. I recommend picking it up. It has a slew of features on here as well. I'll go over the one stuff on They Call Her One Eye release. Um, this containing the feature film, of course, Adrian and Christina interview with filmmaker Adrian Gar uh, Garcia Bologna from 2017. Great director, did stuff like Late Phases. Christina Lindbergh, The Paris Interview, an interview with Christopher Deller from 2015. Alamo Drafthouse Q&A with Christina Lindbergh from November 11th, 2017. Screening of Thriller in Austin, Texas. Behind the Scenes Gallery, Public Image Gallery, Artwork and Press Gallery, Multiple Radio Spots, Outtakes, Rare Christina Lindbergh, Music Tracks from her 7-inch single, Sab Commercial, directed by Bo Ari Verbenis. That's the director. 
And then we have more features, of course, on the Blu-ray version. This says Blu-ray and 4K of the Thriller Cruel Picture. So we have a uh, commentary here. Um, who is it? With author and critic Ale uh, Alexandra Heller-Nicholas. That's a great commentary. She even talks about other Swedish rape revenge movies or rape in film in general, talking about it's not just an exploitation you know, usage. It's in a lot of highbrow art films. It's in tons of movies. She talks about Ida Lupino. She knows her stuff, obviously. She's very good at this stuff. And then we also have um, a, a feature film following uh, the thriller A Cruel Documentary a newly produced 43 making of documentary featuring narration by writer-director Bo Aries Barbers and on-camera interviews with Christine Lindbergh Bo Sudfield Lass Lundgren and Gunnar Palm that's all good stuff interesting stuff I'm talking about the release of the film here in the States and how it didn't do well and all this kind of stuff original theatrical teaser trailers for Thriller original theatrical trailer for TV Spot for They Call Her One Eye and then we have a trailer for Hooker's Revenge but anyways what a terribly inappropriate title but maybe be appropriate for people in the grindhouse great release you got all these covers slip cases Oop. you got a lot of stuff to open to get to it but it's well worth it thriller a cool picture they call her one eye let's get in these questions comments concerns and all of that stuff ken coakley 3959 i'm a big fan of blue thunder i saw it to drive then drive in with spring break in 1983 you're right about roy scheider playing characters that people dismiss in certain films his character in blue thunder reminded me of brody this time he was going against a high-tech helicopter and jaws to everyone in the amity dismissed his claims of another shark coming to terrorize the people of amity as nothing more than a case of ptsd with things to remind Brody of what happened. It's hard to blame them. He used the barrels from Orca as planters and had trophy in his office that said Martin Brody, Man of the Year 1974 with a shark's, with a shark's jaws as trophy design. Another reason they may have thought of it as PTSD. Is Mayor Vaughn telling Brody, don't push it this time, which must have meant that it wasn't the first time Brody yelled shark. And Blue Thunder War Notes does the same thing with the Murphy character, Blue Thunder, was ahead of its time with the issue of invasion of privacy, which is a major, major issue today, no doubt. I'm sure the reason they did it, it was the fact that it was released one year away from 1984 and the helicopter was Big Brother. Okay, Roy Scheider originally turned down Jaws 2 to star in The Deer Hunter as a character that Robert De Niro played. Personally, I think Schneider was too old for the role of a guy going to Vietnam. He did Jaws 2 to fill his contract with Universal. Originally, Sean Brody was going to play Ricky Schroeder, but the original director was fired and half the roles were recast. Schneider starred in a horror movie that scared me half to death as a kid. That was The Curse of the Living Corpse. It's on DVD as a double feature with Horror of Party Beach. You know, I'm not from, I have not seen that one. I've heard the name, but never seen it. War Notes left us early. Oh, you're going to go into War Notes? War Notes is one of my favorite actors. I'm very familiar with War Notes, so I guess we'll just do it for the audience. War Notes left us er uh, way early. Like David Warner, Oates worked a lot with Peckinpah. They did Ride the High Country, Major Dundee, The Wild Bunch, and Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. He was great in Stripes as well as Dillinger. He looked like the real Dillinger. I've covered all those movies on this channel, except Stripes, which I've seen a few times, of course. Daniel Stern gets a lot of love for Home Alone, but he made two really good movies in 1982. He made The Diner with Mickey Rourke, Steve Gutenberg, Kevin Bacon, Paul Reiser, Tim Daly, and A3. He did Get Crazy, also with Malcolm McDowell. My dad's friend was a huge fan of the di uh, diner. Bad Brains Horror, 3613. Hey, Dave, watch a Syndrome. It was insane. Got my hands on Taxi Hunter to watch next for my Cat 3 Crawl. Great stuff as always. You're welcome. Taxi Hunter might be Cat 2, though. But still, it's 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 right up that alley, though. Uh, Nick Mua from Belgium. William Friedkin's gargantuan talent will be missed for sure. I enjoy his later films as much as his earlier work. How many directors can say their work has stayed consistently excellent? Not many. David Lynch, maybe. I meant David Cronenberg, David Lynch, those guys. Um, questions. Which non-horror freaking film would you recommend the most? Sorcerer. Honestly, Sorcerer is great. Um, Killer Joe is great. Um, are you excited at all about Christopher Gantz, uh upcoming film, Return to Silent Hill? You know, I've never really... I played the game a little bit, never watched the original movie, so no. 
I'm not against it. Um, why do most films based on video games turn out crappy? Studio interference? I don't know. I really don't know. The time they were made was a rough time for American film. Maybe there might be some better ones. Some of the ones overseas are probably a little better. Enjoy life as much as you can until next time. Travis Linscombe, 6200. Uh, Miss 45 is a classic. I think it's probably my fave of the rape revenge genre. The first time I saw it was into it, but each is so... Uh, sequential viewing, I love it more and more. The ending party scene is so iconic. Completely agree. Um, so you know what? Let's get into this update, guys. Not too many titles here, but first up is uh, Blowout, of course, the 4K here, directed by Brian De Palma, has John Travolta, Nancy Allen, uh, John Lithgow. Um, believe it or not, I have never seen this movie. I know, guys, I know, but it's made in 81. I know it's more of a thriller, but I'm finally going to pop it in for 81 and watch it. Brian De Palma, I'm sure I'll love it. He's on a streak here. He just did uh, Dress to Kill the year before. Next up, we have another Criterion here, Targets uh, by Peter Badanovich, starring Boris Karloff. I've always wanted to see this. Had the old DVD from Paramount, but now I'm going to watch it in style. Criterion Blu-ray. Very cool. I can finally retire that DVD. Um, very interested in that one. Next up, we have Impulse from Grindhouse uh, Releasing. Yes, by William Graffet, great director. Um, I mean, in his own right, I liked a handful of his films. Never seen Impulse. Uh, yeah, this one is supposed to be one of his best films, starring William Shatner as a psycho. I love it. Is this the movie where he saved uh, uh, Oddjob from uh, strangling um, himself? Uh, not, I mean, from a stunt gone wrong. But yeah, Impulse. Look forward to checking this out for sure. Looks like a good double feature with Corruption from uh, Grindhouse as well. And last, but certainly not least, is Requiem for a Village by Indicator. I hear good things about this movie. Heard it's kind of folk ish very bizarre-looking movie. Um, that's all I hear is it's folk horror. I think Duncan Leash kind of uh, talked about it in passing. Um, Lindsay Anderson did this one, so yeah, maybe, I think, or was involved. Anyways, looking forward to checking this out. Maybe that's just a quote by him up there. Yeah, it's just a quote by there. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, this looks really good, and I look forward to checking it out. But we're going to hop back to the video. Thank you very much, guys, for watching, and as always, have a good one. Me.